0: Welcome to the Linder Farm Network Field Talk Podcast. I'm Dan Lemke. Demand for renewable hydrocarbon diesel and sustainable aviation fuel is on the increase. Both fuels are the next generation of renewable fuels building off the success of biodiesel. Minnesota soybean industry and renewable fuel proponents are celebrating 20 years of biodiesel in Minnesota, which stems from legislation passed in 2002 that thrust biodiesel into the mainstream. Minnesota Soybean Senior Director of Product Development Mike Youngerberg has been involved in biodiesel from the bleeding edge to the leading edge.
1: It's been a very whirlwind uh, adventure ever since uh, B2 uh, went into effect. You know, in in May of uh, 2002, uh, there was a lot of work that went into the beforehand of that. So while we celebrate, you know, that initiation. Uh, there was a lot of work that went into three years prior to, uh, you know, actual, you know, the law going into effect. Uh, a lot of, lot of effort at the legislature. A lot of farmers that, you know, were all in on. We need to do something, you know, with this excess soybean oil and and biodiesel was certainly the a place to start um, and even at two percent
0: a lot of legwork needed to be done before you got to that point that was kind of one of the first big successes but I guess you and you alluded to it a little bit what was some of the impetus what was what was it that got it started got the whole industry rolling to begin with
1: the major driver was the price of soybean oil at the time when we started the effort in the late 90s we were you know, we were looking at uh, soybean oil that was like ten cents a pound, nine cents a pound. Um, you know, you get seven and a half pounds in a gallon. So, uh, at ten cents, you know, it was pretty darn cheap stuff. And um, you know, demand was growing for soy protein as your you know, livestock industry was growing. So, the more we, the more beans we crushed for protein, the more oil we had. Sitting around, I recall, you know, the uh, South Dakota soybean processors had a huge, huge tank where they stored soybean oil in because it was as we were getting so much excess uh, product in the marketplace, and you know that was really the big driver behind you know the effort to to move it into uh, a volume market like renewable fuels and biodiesel.
0: There had to be a lot of people that were involved in a lot of organizations. I mean, kind of how did this really get rolling to look at, you know, a biofuel as a use? I mean, obviously we have food uses and and things like that, but uh, what was it that kind of pointed folks in the direction of a renewable fuel like biodiesel?
1: It's like everything else. You get a bunch of farmers around a table and they read a lot of things. And, uh, you know, uh, the researchers down at the University of Missouri, uh, Leon Schumacher was Uh, had, you know, started off proposing a project to the Missouri Soybean. And they go, well, gee, this sounds like a really good way to, you know, move a volume of products. So um, they started an effort there. And from that, uh, you know, they collected a bunch of other states and they uh, developed what was first called the National Soy Diesel Development Board. Um, And that's what it was. It was that very first work to try and figure out okay how do you get into a marketplace that um, has a lot of specifications a lot of regulation and all those kinds of things so you know you have to start working with engine manufacturers you have to come up with a provisional specification um, do all kinds of health effects testing i mean that was all the early days stuff that you had to you have in order to to build up to actually get to be a legal fuel to sell in the United States.
0: So then, in two thousand two, in Minnesota, I guess what what happened then, and how was it that you were guys you guys were kind of finally able to push this over the the finish line, so to speak, at least for the, the initial foray into uh, the market. It was a lot of
1: um, legislative meetings. I think we may still hold the record for. Uh, the number of uh, committee meetings that we went through, uh, I think 12 uh, was was the record. And, you know, it, it took a lot of education, you know, talking to people about what the product was, what it wasn't, what it could do. Um, you know, when we really started the biodiesel effort, we started with a small additive product that you dumped into a fuel tank that treated 50 gallons. And, and uh, our farmers go... Well, if we can put that much in there, why can't we put more in? So, you know, it kind of grew out of that, and that's when you know uh, the legislation was proposed, and you know it was great that we had um, you know the support of a lot of people from the National Bio Board and from all over, um, and it was really a bipartisan issue. Um, you know, it was it was you know it was good for agriculture. It was good for the economy. And by the way, it was good for clean air, which was kind of the third and maybe fourth point at times. Now, we're almost to the other side of the coin when you look at where, you know, the industry has grown to. And now the desire for sustainable aviation fuel, renewable hydrocarbon diesel, biodiesel, um, we've jumped to the other side of the, you know, almost the other side of the equation. But it had to start somewhere, and I guess Minnesota has been held up as a great example, and we've been held up as a you know poor example a couple times. But other than that, um, you know, you had to have a state like Minnesota, somebody to take it on, and really put it statewide uh, in order to see where where it works, what you need to do to make it work
0: sometimes the leading edge is the bleeding edge so I, i'm sure not everything did go smoothly i mean you you alluded to some of the the fantastic opportunities now but it wasn't uh, wasn't always that way no it's like everything else uh, you know you
1: got your hiccup along the way and it uh, but i think persistence and being honest and doing the right thing um you know won a lot of uh, favor with people It said, okay, okay, you made a mistake, you know, okay, we'll fix it and move forward. Um, the idea of, you know, repealing it or, you know, doing away with it, um, yeah, there's been a couple attempts to do that, but it was more born out of, you know, frustration or uh, some of those things, you know, uh, people don't like losing market share. Um, but Now we seem to be, again, on the other side where there's a real positive to having, you know, biodiesel in the blend. Uh, You know, particularly if you're, you know, the whole conversation about electric and how fast we're going to get where we're going to go. We're still going to have to get there, and it's still going to have to be the, the, the cleaner fuels that we're burning now.
0: So where are we at now as far as percentage used? Because from the 20 years ago when you first got in there, things have changed a couple times along the way. So what uh, what are folks finding at the pump and, and using here in Minnesota when it comes to the biodiesel percentages?
1: We've pretty much been, uh, you know, with what the last uh, legislative move was, was getting 20% during the summer and 5% during the winter. Um, you know, we're seeing more people interested in higher blends above above B-20. Uh, we just uh, worked with the uh, Minnesota Department of Transportation, Wilmer location. Uh, they did this last summer a B-30, B-50 study looking at, you know, as how, you know, the directives on reducing greenhouse gas, reducing, um, you know, critical pollutants, um which that project went very well. Now they are in conversations with the people who uh, prov- uh, Optimus Technologies, who uh, put a unit on a vehicle that will allow it to burn B one hundred year round. So they've been uh, the, they've been watching uh, what's been happening with that uh, down in Iowa, and they're very interested in you know moving to that higher blend. So, uh, we're probably going to see more and more of that as, and and it's not only on-road transportation fuels, um, the marine industry who was, you know, very hesitant to go anything above 7% now is coming to the industry going, how do we burn, you know, B20, B30, B40, uh, the railroad industry, same thing. Um, you know, really didn't want to have a whole lot to do with biodiesel, but, now all of a sudden, how do we get to those higher blends 20, 30? Uh, a lot being driven just by the pure fact of uh, these sustainability efforts, uh, you know, people trying to drive uh, greenhouse gas and carbon out of their supply chains. And these supply chains are trucks, trains, boats. You know, that's that are really, really, really going to be hard to electrify, and 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 uh, aviation.
0: So, what has this meant for farmers? And obviously, they were the ones that kind of got the ball rolling, and were very involved in pushing. Um, we use a lot of it. What has that meant for their bottom line? How much you know have they noticed an impact?
1: We should be noticing an impact because you know we've been, uh, you know, soybean oil has been trading around that you know 74, 70 cents a pound range. Uh, we are at a place now where, instead of the oil being you know a drag in the marketplace, you know people were taking processes were taking profits out of the the protein side or the meal side uh, to you know subsidize the the oil portion. We are now almost we are at almost parity or at parity. You know that both products are carrying you know the the market share which. Um, is great because uh, that means you know there's value in both products Um, you know the world's going to continue to need protein so you know we're going to see you know more of that uh, going on we're seeing more you know news stories out there about more soybean processing plants going in the U.S. so um, you know as a way to drive that oil uh, availability uh, across the marketplace so uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, we're you know, seeing, you know, bean prices even currently, you know, at 14 and a half. Uh, what's it going to be, you know, by fall? As demand keeps driving, you know, we'll probably see, continue to see really good prices, which is that, you know, effort that the farmer's getting back in the price do he invested in it to begin with.
0: And for you, having seen it all from, from almost the beginning or from the beginning to where it's at now it has to be rewarding for you having fought many of those battles and being in those rooms to to see things, as you said, kind of flipped on its ear a little bit where now all of a sudden people are coming in to you know knocking on your door so to speak, because they want this feel. It's got to be rewarding to see the efforts that were started so long ago really hitting their stride at this point. Oh, yeah, and even a little scary
1: some days because it's uh, when you start looking at, you know, the demand on the West Coast, California and the West Coast uh, uh, low carbon fuel standards, the East Coast and their bioheat and biofuels uh, efforts. Uh, it's, you, you combine all that and it's kind of like, wow, uh, it's, you know, you're almost to the point of, you know, Almost feel like you're shot out of a cannon, going. You know, well, we drug it along for so long, and now it feels like you know we're, uh, you know, going a mile a minute. Uh, but uh, that's the way when I think things happen. When you know you've you've created a market, and it now shows value to not only the the farmer, but to the environment and cleaner air and those kinds of things. And it doesn't appear that it's going to. Slack off at any time soon.
0: I was just going to ask that. I, obviously, it's important to look to the future, but pretty impossible to kind of look at your crystal ball and see where it's going to go. Because I'm not sure how many people saw the the whole decarbonization. Uh, you know, the the lower carbon fuel standards. How much of an impact that has had, and then the opportunities with the sustainable aviation fuel, things like that. It, it's the future's got to just look extremely bright, but as you said, a little bit scary at the same time.
1: A lot of people want to move in that direction, and I think there's, you know, the, the highest value markets are going to uh, uh, get the product. Now, uh, you know, there's other, you know, people that are in the marketplace that are going, uh, yeah, that's getting a little pricey. Well, um, you know, I think that's part of the reason for the, a lot of the domestic crush coming on, you know, that's planned out there. Um, you know, we just, we're just going to have a lot of, A lot of soybean protein that is going to be available at a good price in the marketplace.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out LinderFarmNetwork.com for more podcasts and to sign up for our weekly newsletter. Follow us on Facebook and listen on one of your local Linder Farm Network affiliates.